I have to say, I really enjoyed Wednesday night being out at the Habitat site and praying together with many of you and meeting Messiah. I, I'm excited. I got to tell you, I am, I am proud to be a part of a congregation that is looking to bless the community and bless a family in this way. And I see so many opportunities through this for us to invite friends and others to join us in this. And I hope you'll do this. I hope you will get involved in this Habitat build. Masai and her family are a sweet family. And what a blessing this is for us to be able to do for them and with them. I do have to tell you, as we left, I got to take Morgan and Madeline, uh, my daughters, they're nine and six, with me. Because I wanted them to see this. I wanted them to be a part of this. And it was, it was great having them there. But as we were heading home, Madeline said, Daddy? I said, yes, Madeline. She said, I would have rather had a babysitter than go to that. <laughs> so you know that there are things that aren't overly spiritual in our house too, all right? But I'm glad she was there anyway. And I'm glad that Greenville Oaks is about building homes. And it got me thinking about some of the homes that I've lived in. And I go back to when I was little, the home that I grew up in, uh, my parents bought in the, in the early 70s. And so we had the wood paneling and dark tile. And we had some shag carpet, not the cool frise carpet that's around now. And you got to be impressed. I know what frise is, right? Come on now. But it was that shag carpet, and I remember it was kind of, we had a playroom, and it had that kind of black and white and grayish thick shag carpet, almost, almost like yarn. They used yarn to make the carpet. And I think about the things that happened in that home, and, and that room specifically holds one really important, incredible memory for me. And it was the great scandal of 1981. And in my defense, my sister wanted to play beauty shop, barber shop. And so naturally, if she wants to play that, we want to play it as authentically as we can. And so about 30 minutes after starting that little game, we're on our way to the beauty shop because I cut my sister's hair. And I remember that clearly. And even to this day, we joke about it and we laugh about it. And I threaten her with it occasionally again, even though she doesn't believe me anymore. And I think about growing up in that house and how that, that house transformed through the years. Even the yard transformed with different play sets and how we painted over the wood paneling walls. And we got new tile and we got rid of the shag carpet. But it's the people and the events that were part of that house that make it so special. And then as I grew up and got ready to leave the house, I moved on to my next home. A home that is very scary to many of you, and it's the freshman boys' dorm. And I remember living there for a year, and it's exactly what you think a freshman boys' dorm would be. It smelled. It was, we didn't pick up a whole lot. And it went from one dorm to another, and then I lived in a couple of different houses in Abilene with friends and had these roommates and then Allison spent a year living on her own in Denton doing grad school. And when I graduated, I moved back in with my parents, which some of you are hoping to avoid. But it was good. And then we get married. And maybe the uh, most challenging home of all was right after we got married, we moved in with my in-laws. 
Not my favorite. But we needed a place to live. We didn't, I had just gotten a job the day before we got married, and so we didn't have time to find a house. We moved in with my in-laws for a couple of weeks until we could find an apartment. And we had that 400-square-foot apartment where everything was in one room, basically. And we moved to another apartment and into houses. And I think about that. It's special because of the events and the people that have been a part of that home. Not just the people that lived there, people that came in and shared that space with us. My parents One of the things I loved about my parents is they were always hosting parties. Whether it was a youth group party or whether it was friends of theirs, I remember being little and being sent upstairs with a babysitter so all the adults could be downstairs and have fun, you know, all the adults from church. That's really cool to think about that. And I remember those moments, and it's special because of the events and the people. That's what made it more than a house. That's what made it a home. You know, Jesus was a carpenter. So it would make sense that he would have some advice about building houses, about building a home. And he says this, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. When the rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Now, I've heard lots of different things about this passage before. I've heard uh, Ray Vanderlaan share this uh, deep, insightful thing about uh, building your house on the rock was actually up on this hill. And, and if it was on the sand, it was in this valley where the rains and the waters would come through. And that's what Jesus was talking about. But the truth is, it doesn't take a rocket scientist. It doesn't even take a house builder to know that if you build your house on sand, it's going to fall. And if you build it on the rock, it has a better chance of standing. And Jesus is giving us this advice. And this advice is about hearing his words Everyone hears the words, but the difference between the wise and the foolish is how we put them into practice or whether or not we put them into practice. Now, which words is Jesus talking about? Well, if we're going to go with context here, this is at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And that's what Jesus is talking about. The words that I've just been sharing with you, these words are the ones you need to put into practice. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled on by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, 
and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. This is how Jesus started this teaching. Saying this is what it really means to be blessed. Because at that time, you knew you were blessed if you had lots of money. You knew you were blessed if you had the big house. You knew you were blessed if you had status. If you had favor with the political groups that were around. If people liked you. Those were the things that made you blessed. But Jesus is saying, you know what? It's backwards. It's backwards. These are the things that make you blessed that make you fulfilled, that make your life purposeful and meaningful. But then he's going to go on and share several things, several life stages, I guess you could say, where he says, you've heard it this way, but I say this. You've heard it was said to people long ago, do not murder. But I tell you, anyone who's angry with his brother for no reason will be subject to judgment. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery, but I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery. It's been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate, but anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness causes her to become an adulteress. You've heard it was said to people, don't break your oath, but I say, let your yes be yes and your no be no. You've heard it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, turn the other cheek. And don't just go one mile with them. Go two miles with them. You've heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You've always heard these were the loopholes. But I'm telling you, close the loopholes and follow me. Raise the standard of your living and follow me. And then he goes on in the next session, section and says, don't just do things for other people to see. When you give to the needy, don't show off to everyone. When you pray, don't go stand out in the street. Don't go stand up on the stage at church and say a beautiful prayer, especially if it's not in your heart. Just pray simply and humbly. And forgive. And when you fast, don't look like you're sick and hungry and tired. Clean yourself up and act and go about your daily business. Make this between you and God. And then this part, this part gets me every time. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Where's your treasure? Where's your heart? And then he says, don't worry. Don't worry about today. Don't worry about all the things coming up in the future. God's going to provide for you. Doesn't he take care of the animals and the birds and the fields? He's going to take care of you. Trust in him. Seek him first. Don't judge others. But look at yourself and honestly reflect. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. 
And watch out for those who claim to be prophets and judge them by their fruit, not just by their words. And then he closes with the story of building a house. It says, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is a wise person building their house on a rock. And anyone who hears these words and doesn't put them into practice is foolish. And your life can't stand. See, the Sermon on the Mount is about discipleship. It's about being and becoming like Jesus. And when Jesus says, build your house on the rock, he's not talking about a physical structure. He's telling us what it takes to be wise in our lives, individually, as families. He's talking even about our homes. And it's not just a house that we're building for Messiah or for ourselves. It's a home. A home built on the foundation of Jesus and his words that call us beyond the cultural and religious expectations and moves us to a life of greater purpose and intentionality. And our tendency is to hear this and to think, we can't do that. And you're right. We can't do that except by the grace of God. And i got to tell you, here's an observation that I make about Christians during our time right now. We have a lot to celebrate. And John talked about that in a sermon a few weeks ago. We have a lot to celebrate. We have a lot to be thankful for. We have God's grace that covers us. But for people that have all this, we sure do beat ourselves up a whole lot. I can't tell you how many conversations I have with people, especially about faith at home, and the number one response is, I know, I should be doing better about that. And I'm thinking, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. But we automatically default to guilt and shame. And there is something wrong with that when we have a God who sent his son, who gives his son for us. And we're going to celebrate that in a big way next week with Easter, the resurrection. We have that. We have that power. We have God's grace. And we walk around beating ourselves up, thinking how horrible we are as parents and in our marriage and and as co-workers and as Christians. When the truth is we should accept the challenge of Jesus and just take one more step and stop beating ourselves up. Because faith at home is not about beating ourselves up. It's about being honest with ourselves and saying, by the grace of God, I'm going to take one more step. A small step. Whatever that is. See, God has faith in you, and so do I. I know most of you. I have faith in you. We as a church have faith in you. And God has given you a responsibility to seek him first, to hear his words, and to do them, and to be wise, especially in our homes. When we think about our homes, home It's the place of intimacy. Home is where I can be myself. Home is who I really am. It's where I can get away from the things in the world or where I can prepare to go back out into the world, where I can rest, where I can play, where I can celebrate, where I can pray. God gives us this unique responsibility 
to hear his words and to take that next step in living them out in our homes. At Greenville Oaks, we want you to know that you can do it and we can help. We're going to borrow that slogan and know we can't do it for you. But our job as a church is to make it easier for us to be intentional in living what we say we believe. To be more intentional about taking small steps in our homes. That means in our own faith, individually. In our relationships with our husbands and wives, with our children, with our grandchildren. With those we invite into our homes and with those we encounter when we step out of our homes. We want to help you use that time in the car or on the soccer field or on the golf course around the dinner table, at bedtime, in a way that strengthens your bonds and places God as the top priority. The way we're going to do all this is through faith at home. Consider it, consider it a Home Depot for our faith and for the spiritual homes that we're building. That's why we've created the Faith at Home Center, to help make it easier for you to connect with people and tools that can help you. Back at the beginning of this year, we had you guys take this really long survey. You remember that? Some of you still haven't forgiven me for that, but thank you for doing that. Let me tell you a couple of things that we found out. Part of the results, we got a couple of top 10 lists based on what you shared. And did you know that 75% of the people who took that survey, it's three-fourths of our church, and I want you to remember, our church is a pretty good reflection of the people that live in the community around us. So 75%, three-fourths of our church said they want and need help when it comes to helping a child grow spiritually at home. 60 to 75% of people said they want and need help having a godly view of sexuality and a family vision. Developing and maintaining spiritual disciplines. Disciplining children, building a lasting marriage bond, and having good marital communication. That's 60 to 75% of our church are saying they want and need help with that. Some of the other areas that people didn't necessarily say they want help But the survey indicates that we as a church, and I put myself in this too, needs help managing the hurriedness of life. Let's be honest. We need help with that. Rekindling or renewing the zing in marriage. Developing healthy lifestyle habits and developing and sharpening parenting skills. These are needs that we have in our church. And you know what? These are needs that we have in our community. And while today is just a starting point, in times, these are all things we want to address through Faith at Home and through the Faith at Home Center. So I want to give you just a couple of minutes uh, of a brief tour of what the Faith at Home Center looks like. We've got a video for you. Uh, We'll go ahead and play that, and then I'll close up with one other activity that I want us to do together this morning. Welcome to the Faith at Home Center at the Greenville Oaks Church of Christ. Faith at Home is designed to help us be more intentional in our relationships, especially when it comes to matters of faith, and especially in our homes. 
The Faith at Home Center is here to provide you tools to make it easy for you to do that. Let's take a look inside. We want to make it easy for you to take those next steps in being intentional and passing your faith along to your kids and sharing your faith with your neighbors and sharing your faith with your spouse. So let's take a look around. So as you enter the Faith at Home Center, the first thing you'll come to is a place where you'll see some featured resources and you'll see the My Faith at Home plan. And this plan is just a way for you to check yourself a little bit, to evaluate, to reflect on how you're doing in single life as a parent or grandparent or in your married life, and to make a plan to be intentional over the next three to four months. So the next thing you'll come to is our Life Season Pointers. We have over 30 different pointers here in the Faith at Home Center. These pointers address different stages of life or different seasons that you may be going through. It could be a difficult time or just where you are as a single or a married person or a parent. And you can come in and just grab one of these and look through it. And inside it gives some encouraging advice. And then on the back it has going further resources. These resources may be books that can be used. They may be ministries that we have at the Greenville Oaks Church to help you. They also may be people that you can talk to to get encouragement and to grow with during this time. Now, one of the questions that's always going to come up is, give me something I can actually do. And that's why we have these recipe cards here. Recipe cards are simple activities that you can come in and take. Maybe you have a date night planned with your spouse this week, and you could come in and take one of these marriage date night recipe cards. And when you go out on that date, you can go through this together and talk about the things that are on here. And it's just a simple activity that you can do to be more intentional in your marriage. We also have some for dealing with younger children or activities that you can do with older kids. And as time goes on, we'll be adding to these recipe cards that are here. Just so you can come in, take one for the week or the next couple of weeks and go on about your business. And it's something you can do just naturally whenever you have the time to do it. Of course, there's no shortage of wisdom or advice out there for the various situations and experiences we go through in life. One of the things that we're committed to in the Faith at Home Center is providing you with the very best resources available. So what we've done is we've collected some books and DVDs that are available for checkout if you need them. Now, when you walk into the Faith at Home Center, you'll be greeted by hosts who have knowledge and who care to help you in any way that they can. If you don't need any help, if you just want to walk in and take something and walk right back out, that's fine too. This room, this space is designed for you to use however suits you best. We just want you to take advantage of the resources and the people that we have here in any way because we want to build strong families at Greenville Oaks. And we're going to do that through Faith at Home. And one of the ways is through the Faith at Home Center. So stop by today. We'll be open every Sunday and then at other times during the week occasionally. Or you can check us out online at www.greenvilleoaks.org slash faith home. I'll give you a brief tour of the Faith at Home Center and some of the things that we offer in there, some of the tools that we offer. This morning during our adult Bible class time, we're going to have everyone meet in here. We're going to share some stories with you. We're going to tell you a little bit more about the Faith at Home Center. And we're going to provide a time where in smaller groups, you can kind of walk through there and the elders will be there to greet you and show you around. And so we want to give you that opportunity this morning to do that and see and feel kind of what's there because there's something there for everyone. I promise. And if you don't see something for you, then come tell me and say, there's nothing here for me, and we'll talk, and we'll find something for you, or that means we need to come up with something that gets in there for you because there are other people going through situations that you're going through right now too. We've got to start somewhere, and here's where we're going to start this morning together and here. 
On your way in this morning, you should have gotten a little card, a little guy that says, my faith at home plan. If you didn't, I've got some young men over here that have some extra ones. They're going to start walking around and they're going to help pass these out. There should be a pencil somewhere in the back of the seat in front of you or nearby. If not, maybe you have your own pen. Hey guys, if y'all want to go ahead and start passing these out, they'll just kind of spread out around the room. And if you, uh, if you didn't get one of these, just raise your hand and let them come by and give one to you. But I want everyone, adult, teenager, I want you, I want you to do this too. All right? Let me explain what this is. I briefly went over it in the video, but this is our starting point for faith at home. This is a guide for us to reflect on how we're doing. And as, if you look inside, we have single life. So as a single, how are you doing in your relationships? And how, are, how confident are you in your future relationships? So we have some check boxes there. Same thing for parents and grandparents. How many of these things have you done? And again... This is not meant to make you feel guilty. I want you to look at this and just be honest with yourself. The purpose of this is to help you take one step, a small step. But you look, single life, parents, grandparents, married life. And I want you to go ahead. We're going to give you a couple of minutes here in just a minute after I explain it for you to go through it and to kind of check off ones that you've done. And if you can't check any off, okay, that's just where you are. That's a place to start. That's okay. And then I want you in, in the boxes, box or boxes that fit you to just circle one to five. One being not confident, five being highly confident, feeling good. How confident, how am I confident in my future relationships are God-honoring and happy? I am confident my children or grandchildren will have a strong Christian faith in adulthood. My marriage, I'm confident that my marriage will last until one of us dies, and I believe my marriage is, for the most part, God-honoring and happy. Just circle the ones uh, that fit you. And then, in in just a few minutes, we're going to ask you to tear this card off on the side, and I'm going to explain this to you also. And as you leave this room this morning, or once we we dismiss in here before the Bible class time, we want to ask you to drop this part in. You're not putting your name on it anywhere Uh, We're going to have one of our teenagers with a box or a basket at each door. We're going to ask you to drop uh, drop this in. This will help us in identifying future resources that we need in the Faith at Home Center. This will also help us in identifying what are some of the special focuses we need to have in Faith at Home for our entire church. We're also going to ask you, if you look on the little card on the side here where it says Family Seasons, Life stages and special situations. You can look through that. You don't have to check it. This is for you. But each line that's listed there, each checkbox, we have a pointer guide in the Faith at Home Center that corresponds to that. And so as you look through there, maybe right now uh, you've got a 10, 11, 12-year-old, and you're getting ready to go into adolescence, and that's something you want some help with. You can check that box. You can just go into the Faith at Home Center and grab that pointer, that guide, and take it with you. Uh, or special situations. Maybe right now you need some help managing your family finances. Honestly, that's probably one I'm going to take. And so you can go in there and you can take that. These correspond with the pointers that are in the Faith at Home Center. And again, during the Bible class time, we're going to walk you through there. And then on the back side of that, my 120-day plan. What we want you to do is consider the next three or four months. After you've done this reflection... Consider the next three or four months. What's one way or two ways I want to be intentional 
in my marriage, as a parent or a grandparent, in my relationships in general, if I'm single. You can even add other situations down there. Maybe there's a, a situation going on at work, and you're thinking, you know what, I want to be, I want to be really intentional about connecting with this person at work. It could be anything, but we want you to think ahead and think of one or two small steps you can take to be intentional in all of these areas or one of these areas, whatever suits you. Remember, you have to do what's best for you with this. We're here to help. You can do it, and we can help. Remember, a good plan, a simple plan today is better than a great or the best plan tomorrow. So again, just briefly to go over this, I'm going to give you two or three minutes, and then Rex Taylor will come up and close our time out together with our shepherd's prayer. We're going to play some music, but during this time, I want you to do that reflection and then tear the card off, and then I want you just to kind of look through what life stage are you in, what special situations are going on in your family right now or in your life, and then on the back, start making a plan. I know you won't finish it in here. That's fine. But just begin in here. We want to give you time to start because we know if we don't, don't give you time to start now, a lot of you won't start out there. So let's take two or three minutes to just begin this. And remember to turn, uh, to turn this part and to drop this in a basket on your way out this morning. Treasures of the earth. There's no way to measure what you're worth. Crucified, laid behind the stone. You live 
Father, we are indeed thankful uh, that you brought us here today. Uh, such a blessing. Thank you for.